Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail Bearcat Journal Happy Hour. I, I like the happy hour theme. The, the after dark, you know, that, that's for special occasions. Happy hour, I think, is something we can maybe uh, do a little bit more frequently. So it's a Friday. Uh, nothing really happened today. Kind of a quiet day. Uh, <laughs> so we'll... Uh, We'll go ahead and get things started. It, it obviously starts off with uh, the news that Marcus Freeman is uh, now the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, which, uh, if you couldn't tell on the board, took me a bit by surprise today. Um, Desmond Ritter is back. Yeah. Myj Sanders is back. The only one that, that really uh, kind of took me by surprise is Curtis Brooks is back. That was one that. I had been hearing it wasn't it wasn't likely on Curtis Brooks, um, but he uh, he made the call. He's going to come back. So uh, the defense looks like it's going to be pretty good next year, even if they have a new defensive coordinator, which which now they will. But um, Dave, what's up, buddy? You're still on my account. Oh, now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So for those that didn't follow along there, uh, Tuesday, I got called in to fill in for Mo. Uh, Mo was filling in for Lance because Lance's mom died. So I got, I got called to fill in yeah, unexpectedly. She passed away over the weekend. Um, so Lance was, was handling family business. Uh, I got called to fill in for Mo. And totally forgot that Dave had set up a 1.30 interview with Stephen Godfrey for the BCJ podcast. Uh, so Dave calls me at like 1.32 and he's like, uh, or he texts me. He's like, where are you at, boss? I'm like, uh, I'm on my way to Kenwood. <laughs> so we had to orchestrate uh, Dave logging into my Zoom account uh, to, to get the Godfrey interview done. And he has not figured out how to log out. So, or he just so, doesn't care. Yeah. I support oh, no. Dave. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, slow news day, Fr slow Friday news dump. Yeah, uh, unmute Dave. Somebody that somebody's kid was trying to take over the podcast. So. I heard that. Not mine. He's been in bed for two hours. Well, an hour at least. Yeah, Dave, how old is he now? He is, two? Uh, no, just like he'll be uh, 18 months, basically. He sleeps like 14 hours a day. Yeah, it's great. The kid's a bear. Um, but no, I'm, I mean, obviously Marcus is the story, but I'm actually just more excited about Des returning the proposition of what this offense could be next year. And because like, I'm still super confident in the defense because of who's coming back as far as the roster goes. And if there's and, no, and the guy, the head coach, he's that, good help, that helps things. And, you know, obviously things can change, but not really anticipating any other staff changes. We know that that's, you know, something that can always pop up. But like I've said, I don't know how many times, like there's tons of guys that are going to want this job. 
even beyond the guys that we've already kind of dug into a little bit. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that probably told their agents don't say anything because if he doesn't take it, I don't want my coach to know that I was interested. Now that's not the case. Here's an interesting uh, caveat. So all week we've been talking about LSU, Notre Dame, Texas, Auburn, and another job. Because that other job had been putting feelers out for Marcus throughout this process. The only reason that job or that that name or that school didn't go public is because they didn't have a defensive coordinator opening yet. That school's Oregon, whose defensive coordinator just took the Boise State head coaching job. So if you're wondering how far out are coaches preparing themselves for these type of openings, it's been rumored since Friday or Saturday that the Boise State defensive coordinator was going to take the Boise State job if offered to him. It was finally offered to him today. Well, this I morning, can tell I, you. This morning I almost texted you and was like, I don't think Avalos is getting that job because yeah. I was I was reading stuff that they had even further on from what you and I talked about last night, just you know, just ourselves. Um, so I was like, well, maybe I guess he's not getting it. And they were moving on to I think Montana State's coach seemed to be the front runner at that point. And then tonight they report that it's going to be him. So you're talking at least a week that Oregon has been reaching out to defensive coordinator candidate possibilities for a job that wasn't open. Luke Fickle has been aware for at least a week, definitely longer, that Marcus was going to listen. There was a good chance that Marcus left. You can be rest assured that he's not starting on this process today. So I I think that's just some important context here on how some of this stuff goes on behind the scenes. Uh, How the day played out, boy. (laughs) So we'll start with Dez since that was first. Um, Dez actually uh, decided to return Sunday of Sunday. And he was going to announce on Tuesday. That prompted my message on the board Monday that said, I think tomorrow is going to be a good day. Uh, they decided that they were going to do the video uh, to make a big deal out of it. Unfortunately, it's vacation week for everybody. So everyone, uh, basically except Luke Fickle, is on vacation, including Kelsey Sharkey. If you don't know who Kelsey Sharkey is, she does all the videos. She's in Mexico. So uh, she worked on her vacation week from Mexico to get the video from Des ready to go. Uh, that video was ready, I believe, last night or early this morning. And uh, that set things in motion for Des to announce at noon. Uh, we knew that was going to be a big deal. Uh, Luke Fickle met with, with Maje's parents and Maje on Wednesday in Florida. Um, on that one, I asked. Are we going to get, uh, Dave Sullivan said the video makes him want to run through a brick wall. Absolutely. That's why you wait. That's exactly why you wait. Cause that video was fantastic. No shock that Kelsey did an amazing job with it. It was not just some like, you know, throw two minutes of highlight clips together to uh, I'm coming home. Um, 
And then with my Jay, it was like, well, is anything going to happen? And they were like, he might not even announce. He might just show like, he's just going to be at spring practice. Cause that's my Jay's, you know, he just wants to play football. Like that, that's, that's who my Jay is. Um, so that one kind of, we didn't know when that was going to happen. That could have been at any time or it could just not have happened at all. We could have just never got an answer and, and we go to spring practice and there's my Jay. Well, we uh, out when he showed up for class. Possibly. Yeah. But I, I'm not at class, Paul, are you? True. <laughs> <laughs> it would have got publicized. Somebody would have seen him on campus. Yes. Um, that's generally how those things go, especially we just seen them a... in like the winter workout videos that they end yeah. up posting. Well, we have a lot of students that are members now too. Uh, so somebody would have seen, I mean, somebody, every time somebody puts a boot on for five minutes, somebody's like, Hey, I saw so-and-so in, a, in campus in a boot. Um, nice drink delivery service, Paul. Excellent. Excellent. Cable service. What can I tell I you? Know. I, <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> Um, it's mine is hers and what's hers is hers, hers is hers exactly um <sighs> curtis brooks and that one i wasn't expecting that one and that just if you, i mean I'm, I'm a big marcus brown guy but brooks because of his versatility the the ability to play inside and outside and i'm sure we'll get into this over the the zoom here um the versatility he allows if you know it's something you bring in somebody that wants to play a four-man front uh, Curtis gives you a lot of depth there as well. So huge day. And then Marcus, hey, <laughs> there was nothing until like five o'clock, five fifteen, that indicated Notre Dame was still in the running. And a lot of that was the LSU folks can be a bit uh, much. Yeah, I mean it's it's LSU. They believe they whatever they want is theirs, and they had gotten to the point. And and I'm guessing it was Orgeron. Uh, somebody was telling the national media too, basically that all they're doing is waiting on Marcus to sign paperwork and uh, you know agree to some some terms, and that it was done. That he was going to LSU. Uh, I got a message that. At when that pro football or uh, football scoop uh, tweet broke, I got a message shortly after that no decision had been made, which that text wouldn't have come if he was in the final stages of signing his paperwork at LSU. So even I'm talking to the, to Billy Embody uh, who runs, helps run the, the LSU site and also runs the SMU site. So, uh, he's been on the podcast before. Um, we've done a bunch of collaboration on stuff. And I'm telling Billy, and, and I talked to Dave and said the same thing to Dave. I said the same thing to Justin Williams. Like, something's off. Something. If this was the slam dunk that everybody thinks it is for LSU, one, I wouldn't have got that text that, that no decision had been made. Because if you're, you know, crossing the I's and dotting the T's, a decision's been made. You know, it, it might not be finalized, but you've made a decision if you're at that point. And I kept running it up the food chain like this just doesn't something's off. Something doesn't seem right. And it felt like it was a good thing for UC. Turns out behind the scenes, it's a good thing for, 
for Notre Dame. Yes, from what I know, the players found out uh, via Twitter. That's that's how things go today. One, yeah, you have you, no you chance call, to like, yeah, call a team meeting anymore and let them be the first. It's just not possible. Plus, they're not well, even that, here. How are you going to do that? That and you can't call a team meeting anymore. Right. <laughs> hey, everybody, get on Zoom real quick. Uh, go ahead, Keith. I, all the interactions you've had with Marcus and all the public interactions I've seen, Marcus comes across to me as a gentleman who probably told his kids, listen, I'm going to have opportunities. Yeah. I mean, so this, this isn't like drop the mic. Oh crap. Our defensive coordinator is gone. I think they knew. And I saw a couple of player tweets who kind of, based on the reactions are like looking forward to seeing you in October. Like they, they kind of got the gist that this, what this was coming down the pipe, that this, this, this was not a blind spot side blind side by any stretch. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's business. I'm sure they were hopeful that he was going to, going to oh, come yeah. back. Um, you got a question, Jim? Sauces, LOL. He did that to me earlier today too. When I said, when I put the tweet up that said Freeman, has not made a decision. He LOL'd me and then deleted it. I almost sent him a, a direct message like, Sauce, you LOLing me for? He deleted um, it within like the first two minutes. I saw that. Yeah. One of the key players. But do we get to keep the hashtag be different moniker? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's a recruiting department moniker. That's not a Marcus Freeman thing. So he does not have, uh, he does not have jurisdiction <laughs> over be different. And but, nobody's being see, different by by going to Notre Dame. I was gonna say I didn't want to see that go to Notre Dame. No, that be different and go to the most traditionally uh, blue blood program and be different. <laughs> be different. Have good grades. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, it was. It was very weird for most of the afternoon because I just had like you get that sense when you've been doing this for so long that something's not. It's not what everybody else and and trust me, you guys know I've been doing this a long time. My instincts there are usually right. The difference here is usually this is like a two school thing. So if something doesn't feel right. It eliminates the field to one. <laughs> this one, there was a three school thing and. Um, but even, I mean, the Notre Dame people didn't thought that it was over. And I guess Tom Loy got a call at like five 15, almost five 30. He said he didn't even get slight wind of it until half hour before it broke. And he said five 30, he got a call that it was like, this might be going our way. And, uh, happened pretty fast from there. I mean, so look, Marcus has been incredible to work with. Um, I, I know you guys get that sense. You should see the look on other site publishers' faces when I send them the uh, what we do every signing day, where I get the coordinators for 20 minutes, 30 minutes to, to break down each and every kid individually for an exclusive. And they, they hit me back like, are you kidding? Like, we couldn't, we couldn't even ask. They'd laugh us out of the building if we asked the SID for something like that. And, and Marcus did it every year, no complaints, no nothing. Um, so, I mean, it sucks. 
Uh, I am going to miss not having him around because he's been awesome to work with. I've been doing this 25 years. He'd probably be in my top three uh, with Luke also in there as well, uh, as far as coaches that I've worked with over the years. So, you know, it, it, it's you hate to see a guy like that leave, but you also are really happy for Marcus because that, that dude deserves everything good that's coming his way. I mean, 34. Paul, what were you doing at 34? Do you remember? Uh, I was working in Southwest Virginia. I'd just gotten married. I'd been married two years. Did you have a $2 million a year job? No, I don't have a $2 million a year job now. Right? You kind of feel inferior when you talk about Marcus being 34. Like, what the hell did I do with my life? Keith, what were you doing at 34? Oh, God, at 34. Uh, it was a long time ago, I know. Raising two... <laughs> amazing twin daughters living in columbus um my gosh that's that's 20 years ago holy crap <laughs> so i mean more power to the guy I, I know losing players to notre dame stinks or coaches to notre dame stinks uh but it's, it's notre dame like, uh, well, uh, that, that matchup next year is gonna be crazy now too oh yeah i mean oh, all that's at stake it's going to be great when we go in there and just kick the shit out of them. <laughs> Dave's confidence level. I convinced my wife that we, that we should go back to, to being season ticket holders. And earlier today, she texted me, can we get tickets for the Notre Dame game? <laughs> <laughs> yes. On StubHub for probably yeah, about StubHub. $700 yeah, a ticket. I mortgage the house for them. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, it, it is crazy. Like, Marcus is leaving and going to a way worse defense. So, we'll see how good of a coach he is. It, it won't be way worse once he starts coaching it. No, not once he gets going, but four games in, I've, they're losing, definitely losing at least their two best players from a group that was good, but it's not anywhere near what you see is. And a lot of their depth is in the transfer portal. Yeah. <laughs> So who is Marcus replacing up there? I forget who Notre Craig, Dame. Clark, Craig Clark, Clark left to go to Vanderbilt. He's from Nashville. Um, Vandy okay. alum. Yeah. Which, I mean, Notre Dame actually has done – Brian's done an amazing job the last few years with his defensive coordinator hires. He, um, Mike, El Mike, Elko. Mike, Mike Elko and then Clark – and then now Marcus, I mean, they, he's knocked it out of the park. Um, but let's talk about fun stuff. Yes. Let's talk about Des fun is back. Stuff. Des is back. Yahoo. Well, should That's we, the big should one. we talk about who the next defensive coordinator is going to be? Uh, I mean, we can. I mean, we don't know, obviously. No. I'm submitting my name, as I said earlier today on Twitter, with this group of players i think i could you know do a halfway decent job uh Jarrell white's name just came up the, the expectation i would be although i would I know, be the defensive coordinator i would be a lot like coach tenuta so i don't think coach fickle would enjoy me blitzing on virtually every play <laughs> i mean it got tenuta was a coach for 40 years yeah he also Earned the moniker third in Tenuta. <laughs> How long do you think it's going to take? Not to long. name somebody. A week. 
maybe if that yeah like i said thinking the length that this job has been like understood that that luke might have to find a replacement i don't think you know tonight at six o'clock he was like oh shit yeah better better get out the rolodex plus I mean, we've pretty much seen with all of almost all of his hires, it's either someone he knows well or someone that is on the staff already that recommends someone to him, like Danny Nose, like Perry Eliano, were recommended by Gino and Mick. So he's this isn't just going to be like, I'm going to wait and see who calls, he's going to have a group that he already probably feels comfortable with on some level that he's going to gauge their interest. And then if someone reaches out that he maybe isn't expecting, then that person maybe gets at least a once over, but I don't think this is going to be, this is not going to be like out of the blue. This is going to be when you see the name, it's going to be, Oh yeah, they work together at Ohio state or, Oh yeah, this guy worked with, someone that Luke's worked with for 10 years in his past and, and now they're able to connect. So I don't see a big like vetting process or, if, or anything like that. So then you can confirm the Mike Mickens and cash as part of this trade deal, correct? Uh, no, that is absolutely one, 100% not happening. <laughs> I, I, Mick needs to go somewhere and be a defensive coordinator for a little bit first, I think. If he, wa- if he wants to be. Yeah. He might just be cool. Like, Look, if I can be the DB's coach at Notre Dame, as long as BK's there, and then if Marcus gets a head coaching job, go be the DB's right? coach wherever Marcus is, I feel like I'd be pretty cool with that. He might just ride the Marcus train, like, wherever that takes him, and that is not a bad – You mean, like, back to Clifton in 365 days? Yes, sir. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, was, I was texting with Mick this morning. And I was like, you know, when the LSU's rumors were flying hot and heavy, it was probably closer to lunch. And I'm like, so uh, when's your when's your flight to Baton Rouge? And he he laughed, and he's he obviously now he's being coy because he knew there was a pretty good chance that that Notre Dame could get him. And he's like, oh, you know, he hasn't told me anything. He said he was going to sleep on it. I'm like, sleep on it, Nick. It's noon. <laughs> you mean sleep on it? And. Uh, I hit him back up at, at this evening and told him it was his biggest recruiting win yet. Uh, he, he, he got his boy. That was, that's where that joke came from, by the way. Uh, when, when Marcus visited Notre Dame Tuesday and was on his way home. And I was like, you know, I, I've got it confirmed. You're up there. And he's like, ah, just tell him I was up there visiting with Mick. So when I put on Twitter, uh, you know, Freeman's at Notre Dame or just visited Notre Dame today. Odds are pretty good. He was just up there visiting his childhood friend, Mike Mickens. Uh, that was, that was actually Marcus's joke that he wanted to make a funny to the fan base. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I've got some names up on the board already. Uh, Dave and I have been bouncing some stuff around um, the main ones. And obviously I, I put Chris Ash up earlier in the week. Uh, that's definitely one to watch for, depending on his situation at Texas. Paul Haynes, cornerback coach, Minnesota. He was a, Co- Paul Haynes was a name that I threw out when they were hiring Mickens. Yeah, DB, he's, he's a, a safety guy mostly, I think. Uh, but he's coached corners and safeties. He was 
at Ohio State for a while. He's from Columbus. He's from Columbus. He was a co-defensive coordinator uh, for a year with Fickle at Ohio State in 2011, maybe. Did his time – he was at Arkansas, too. Did that overlap with – You know – Ash? I don't know. Why don't you look that up? But, uh, I mean, he had a terrible run at Kent State, just like Ash had a terrible run at Rutgers. But, like, Ash has coached at Iowa State, Ohio State, Arkansas, Texas, Wisconsin. Like, I don't think I'm going to hold, like, four years of dog shit at a school right. that no one's ever won at besides Shiano against him when he's done good stuff at other high-level universities. Um- by the end of the year, Texas defense looked pretty good. Oh, every everything you read from Texas is like, here's why they should keep him. Like everybody around that program wants Sarkeesian to find a way to keep him. Um, Mike Tressel is a name I've heard who is at Michigan State uh, coaching safeties now, but he has also uh, been a defensive coordinator. Obviously, Jim Tressel's son. Um, I don't know a ton about him, Dave. Do you? I mean, other than he was here when Antonio left, and there's some well, yeah, feelings there. Um, I mean, he was. Did, wasn't he the one that was running down the hall celebrating when Antonio left? I I don't know. Was I was like, I was in, I was at UT at the time. I have no, I don't remember much from that period of my life. Um, <laughs> you were on but, the Van Wilder plan. Yeah. Uh, but he has to be at least as well, well regarded enough for Mel Tucker to keep him. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was their defensive coordinator through the Cotton Bowl run when they made the playoff. Uh, he was their defensive coordinator all in the like you know 2013 through whatever when Michigan State had a really damn good defense and did it with a bunch of dudes that are similar to guys UC gets. I mean, they weren't churning out four and five stars. Right. So there's, you know, there's something there. I don't know how much or, you know, it's just, another, you know, another name. But there's there's validity, I think, to, to that. Um, internally, uh, the name we've been throwing around just because he is like the main fickle protege that's left, I guess. Uh, is Brian Mason, who was Fickle's grad assistant at Ohio State, came with Fickle as soon as Fickle got hired. Mace was was down here, was the recruiting coordinator the first year. Uh, the last three years, he's been the special teams coach, and he's coached the Jack linebackers. Uh, I think Mace has like eight degrees, like everywhere he's been. Well, he was a grad assistant at like four or five different places, oh, and he hey, would just pick up. I need to. I have a little bit of breaking news. Okay. Masters every other year for a while. Uh, Pete Thamel is reporting that Maryland has focusing on Dan Enos as their leading candidate to be their next offensive coordinator. All right. Not a shock as Dan Enos has had a new job basically every year he's been in college football. (laughs) Outside of his – Head coaching at well, and Michigan. Yeah. Look, Dan Enos is a quarterback coach. He was here as a running back coach because he needed a job. Job, right? <laughs> so, uh, that one, what can you do? 
It's the Maryland's old, uh, got a nice Maryland's got a nice quarterback prospect right now. Yeah. I know. I mean, this is this is not hard, honestly. I mean, I already know who the who I would be stopped, shocked if the coach that replaces him is. Who do you think? Mike Daniels. Yeah, that one was almost done last year. Mike Daniels was the finalist, who's the head coach at Princeton now. Mike Daniels was the finalist uh, with Dan Enos for that position. And it was just – Enos was too good to pass up. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Daniels – uh, pop back up again for running back. Um, that's hard. Like, you got You got to credit Thamel <laughs> getting the, the, the firing and the hiring in one tweet is high level reporting. That is twittering at the finest, not even a search, not a hot board, not a name. This guy's out. That guy's in well done. Pete, the hell of a day, Pete Thamel jerk. <laughs> Look, I'm man He's enough to your admit, thunder, Chad. Look, I'm man enough to admit I told you guys a long time ago. If you're looking for like when Michigan State was like when are you going to break the news? I'm like, look. There ain't no chance I break this news before Pete Thamel does. None. Zero. So if you're waiting to hear Luke Fickle is staying in Cincinnati, I can tell you it's likely Luke Fickle staying in Cincinnati. If you want official word, Luke's going to tell Pete before he's going to tell me. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to know your own scouting report, right? It is what it is. Uh, okay, so Enos is out. Not a shocker. I mean, that he was what, a bit overqualified to be a running backs coach at this point. Yeah. So going somewhere to be an OC is not a surprise, really. Good breaking news, Dave. Um, it's, what you pay, Mason, it's what you pay me the big bucks for. It is. And then next year, Pete Thamel will have a tweet talking about the next job that Danny knows takes. Maybe that'll be in uh, two tweets where he announces somebody leaves and then announces Danny knows is taking their job as well. So back to the UC defensive coordinator job. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's a UC coach. We're allowed to talk. Well, Paul, no, I thought, don't we censor said, me, Paul. I, I thought you just said he wasn't. Well, he's not anymore. Um, so Brian Mason is a name I, I've had, you know, my eye on for a while there. Uh, Perry Eliano has been a defensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator at New Mexico. Uh, he seemed to fit in really well with the staff this year. Uh, I thought the corners were every bit as good, if not better than they were the year before. Um, so he is somebody I'd watch. And the other name, and, and Luke Fickle loves this guy. Colin Hitchler, who took over for John Tenuta as safeties coach. Initially, he was actually going to take over for Greg Scruggs as the defensive – or take over for um, – No, uh, Chad Wilt. Chad Wilt. He's going to take over for Chad Wilt as the defensive line coach before Greg Scruggs decided that he wanted to get into coaching. And then when Tenuta – stepped away to an analyst role, then, then they slid him in there. So if Fickle thinks highly enough of the guy to go from he's going to be our defensive line coach to he's our safeties coach, clearly he thinks very highly uh, of Colin Hitchler. So those are three names um, to keep an eye on. Dave, what other ones are you kind of 
tracking. I, the, those six names, I'm pretty sure, are going to be at or near the top of the board. Let's see. And then Dave's been digging up some other ones. Who did I text you earlier? Let's see. Harlan Barnett uh, is at Michigan State. Obviously has a connection to UC. Chris Partridge, co-defensive coordinator at Ole Miss, was at Michigan, has special teams experience too if you needed to like move Mason to linebacker coach. Bring him in. Uh, Tim Banks is a co-defensive coordinator at Penn State, coached at UC in the past. And then Rob Harley is a linebacker's coach at Pitt and played at Ohio State from 01 to 05 so he would have been there with luke so there's a connection there i mean those were just me going through and trying to it's dave going through and figuring out who has been at ohio state when luke fickle was at ohio state yeah (laughs) it makes it easier when it's the only place someone's ever coached no doubt but no doubt i mean i don't think any of i mean being honest i don't know if any of those guys would get a serious look. Maybe they will. I would, I would see what Partridge is up to. I feel like he's out of place at Ole Miss and as a co-defensive coordinator, I mean, he's like a New Jersey guy and he's down there. I would at least give him a call. He's an unbelievable recruiter. So I feel like you wouldn't miss. Um, I wouldn't say miss a beat, but you'd be replacing a really good recruiter with another really good recruiter. The other ones I don't know as much about. Obviously, Banks has had good defenses at Penn State. But I still think it'll probably be one of the guys we talked about from your initial list. Yeah, I think those six are like the the, the top of the the hot board. Um, LSU reportedly offered Freeman 2.5 for four years guaranteed. (laughs) Wow. That's guaranteed. 10. That's 10. Well, yeah, those, I mean, those assistant deals are guaranteed, man. That's the well, only if way. You, if you guaranteed Bo Pelini, you're sure as shit guaranteeing Marcus Freeman. No question there. Uh, Keith, yes, child, your hand is raised. So, real quick, I mean, I know we're focusing a lot on who our next defensive coordinator is. And I think I just, and I am, I think Chris Hash would be. A really good fit because let's be honest, keeping Ohio locked down between us and Ohio State with regards to talent and players is important. But I'm 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 going to do a topic switch. I think independent of who the DC is, next year we are loaded, and I mean yeah. absolutely loaded talent wise. So I would not that the DC position is not unimportant, but. I'm really happy with everybody who's coming back because we are going to be lo- – granted, the D.C. is important, but you got to have players, and we have players, and we've gotten a couple of surprises on the defensive end that <laughs> we're going to be damn, damn good. I was going through – I just was like, I'm going to check all the other AAC boards on the 24-7 network that actually get traffic, some of them – are basically worthless. But like when I checked it, Des returning was the number one, was the top thread on the SMU board. It was on the ECU board. Um, 
I'm trying to think maybe another one. So I had a little quick conversation with the SMU guys. Like that, <laughs> it's just, they all know that it's not good for them for at least the next year. Um, like they were asking about defensive guys coming back. And when I told them, they were like, Jesus, this is not fair. <laughs> Who's starting at the sniper next season? Uh, I would assume Ty Van Fossen. He had a, uh, he had a pretty good, run this year as Jarrell White's backup. I, I still maybe Freeman leaving changes things, but I, I still my expectation right now is is Jarrell will move on. But uh I don't know that for certain at this point. I also think they're really ready to get Ty Van Fossen on the field. Which I don't blame them because damn he looked good. Every time he's on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were games he had six, seven tackles and felt like he only played two, three series. So that, and not only Van Fossen, but you're also looking to get pace on the field a little bit more this year. So if that's your 1-1-A and Beavers is back and DeBlanco's back, you know, where, where does Jarrell fit in there? And I look, I know Jarrell's amazing. And the defense would assuredly be incredible if he came back. But they've got two guys at that spot that are ready. So that makes it tough in all of this for the coaching staff, right? Because you're dealing with guys you think are ready to go. And do you push that back another year? If you push that back another year, all of a sudden, there's going to be no sit-out year for transfers. You know, you don't want to lose a couple guys that you have for a while uh, in that in that mix. So, speaking of the no transfer or no sit-out on transfer years, you expect anybody to follow Freeman? Not necessarily. Um, maybe, but I a lot of that is more position coach. Uh, so. You, I guess you could see an LB or two, but uh, I don't think so. I don't know what Notre Dame's situation is like. I'll have to ask Tom. It's I just different. Meant, like, you can't, I, mean, I mean, you have to obviously have the grades. Well, I just meant one, you two, have to have the grades. Two, you have to have a you have to have a spot in your spot. twenty-five. Well, I just meant with recruiting too. Um, like, just recruits incoming if they would switch. They're signed. You're not letting they, a kid out of his no. commitment. Not the commits for 22, though. Oh, that's a, I, you Who can't cares? possibly worry about that right now. That's true. I mean, they can't even – until these kids can get on someone's campus, I'm – it's great that we have a bunch of commits already and that they're number six in the country, but, like, talk again in, in the middle of the summer if they still haven't allowed them to go on visits. Then I'll be like, okay, maybe then there's something to this. But like, and the kids deserve it. Like, I want the kids to go, be able to come here as much as go to other places. Like, I don't know. I just, I'm not, it's not something that I've given much thought about. Like, especially with Marcus leaving with kids decommit. Who knows? Half the, half our recruiting classes already decommitted once and they're not even like 17 years old yet. So, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't sweat 2022 yet. They'll be fine with, with what they did this year. And what's coming back next year? I the the last thing I'm worried about right now is how things look 11 months from now when they sign a 2022 class. 
And I think it's going to be very good. And even though the talent thing that we were talking about, I actually had the privilege of going to the Peach Bowl, and I happened to be singing in the Georgia section, which was terrible decision on my part. But I'm he's a Georgia fan, so we ended up seeing the Georgia section, and all and all of the like good old Georgia people there uh, were very, even though obviously we lost and that was awful, but I mean they were very high. Like they were like, we didn't know you guys were going to be like this good because. Even like watching it, because I was up in the three hundreds, not a bad seat in that house. But like, beside that one play that guy laid out and made a hell of a grab, there wasn't one play where you were like, "Damn!" Like that was just a better athlete by them. Like uh, we were, I thought that we every time them. their tight end caught the ball. Oh yes, no, that's and Jordan Jordan Davis is just yeah, but again, but like team. yeah, that 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 one possession when uh, Des got strip sacked and they re- literally ran three plays on the fly and just. Guys ran away from us, but beside that one little drive, I mean, yeah, I was. Yeah, you see, absolutely look like they belong. Yo, there's zero question and zero and, question. And and the thing is that we lost the game. We we lost the game. It's it's not yeah. like we it's not like should have could have like we lost the game. So yeah, without question. Um, are we ready to to talk about Dez yet? Can we sure. talk about getting the pe- the best player in the American Conference uh, back? Because that's the big news of the day. Y- yeah, losing losing Freeman hurts. Um, but he ain't got no more eligibility. Right. Exactly. Dez he, he, yeah, Des has eligibility, and uh, you. If you're Des, aren't you kind of pissed at Ben Bryant? <laughs> because. Ben gave gave away what was going to happen. He congratulated him. It's fine. No, but I mean, like, if <laughs> if, if Dez left, Ben was going to stay. If Ben was going to stay, Dez was leaving. When Dez announces he's leaving, like the gig was up. <laughs> like, like, nobody was nobody was uh, surprised anymore because look, what was Ben leaving for? To start somewhere, right? If Dez was leaving, Ben was going to start here. So then he didn't have to leave. Uh, so Ben kind of kind of spoiled Dez's announcement there a little bit. He didn't get a super sweet goodbye video, though. No, he didn't. He didn't. Uh, I, I think the ESPN article or Yahoo had quotes from Dez that, that the NFL evaluation was four to six. Um, yeah, and I also... I've, Two to four from Dane Brugler, who covers. And I've today. talked to a couple people that said two to four as well. So worst case, somewhere three to five. Uh, and there's there's people out there today talking about he he could he could very well be QB one in this draft. Yeah, I mean after the after the top five guys for this year's draft, I would I mean I think you're kind of like quarterback du jour for six through ten. Like there's a pretty clear cut group at the top, and then he could have been six, he could have been ten. It just depends on the team drafting and you know what kind of player they want. So there's whispers that he's QB one for next year, potentially if he yeah yeah the, Matt, in Matt, the Miller. 2022 draft he might be the number yeah. like he might enter the season as the number one quarterback. I mean in the 2022 Matt, draft, if you think about it, like if he cleans up some stuff and gets better and works on his deep ball accuracy. He's like a bigger version of Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's not as twitchy and maybe not as fast, but I mean, he is everything that 
an NFL team wants right now. So you work on getting rid of the ball a little faster. Remember? I mean, he worked on literally everything. I mean, he played a pretty crummy, what, three games and still still had 31 touchdowns and I was going to say, remember when we wanted to bench him in no, week three? Don't, don't say, don't let me into this shit, Aaron. <laughs> you, you, got a, you got a mouse in your pocket, Aaron? <laughs> That's twice in a week you dropped that joke, man. You keep saying we. It's you love fine. we. It's I, 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 I will not be lumped into that. I, I will not either, sir. I, I didn't want to bench him. We talked about it. It's fine. <laughs> just saying, there were, there were certainly people talking about it. But yeah, I, I just think there's enough stuff that he can – get better at and part of it to me is like dude you're gonna you play every game and don't shit yourself you're gonna go in the ring of honor that has to matter at least a little bit by the way him saying he's gonna catch gino's records (laughs) yeah not happening not not the uh passing yards we don't throw the ball enough for that (laughs) i don't think des has looked at gino's records (laughs) it's a bold well there is there is one record he will beat him on, and that's wins. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's already four. He's already with a forty. One. Yeah, he's already got the wins thing, doesn't he? Yeah, he's thirty. I think and, so. Like thirty and six now, or something like that. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Des is at what six thousand something yards? Yeah, I don't know if they can. I never remember. They used to not count bowl stats, and now maybe they do, or vice versa. But yeah, he's like five five thousand yards away from yeah. Gino. He's gonna have to throw for five thousand yards next year to catch Gino, and uh, it ain't happening. <laughs> he'll, we have he'll too many good running backs for that. But Gino has eleven thousand yards passing in his UC career. Yes, Gino Gino's passing record is almost like when you look at Oscar's scoring record. Until you realize Oscar set that scoring record in three years and almost scored 3,000 yeah, I mean, points. If they count bowl <laughs> stats, Dez is actually second now in passing yards yeah. or really, really close. He was really close to – he was fifth and he was really – he was within like 300 yards of second. So yeah, I mean, he's, he's probably going to end up being – have the, t- have the touchdowns rec- – total touchdowns record. Being first in everything but yards and, and Gino will have yards. Um, so a huge, I mean, here's the crazy thing. So this is kind of where the thought process was as we were going through the season, like this could be 2020 was kind of like 2008 where the defense was really, really, really good. And the offense was kind of streaky. You know, they, they had their moments where they were incredible, but they weren't as nearly as uh, explosive as they were in 2009. And then they had a ton of dudes graduate and the defense in 2009 dipped, but the offense surged. And there was kind of a feeling that this was going to be a little bit like that because you know, that all of the expected losses defensively, but then you start, you know, you get Kobe back, uh, you get the Briggs transfer, and then you get the linebackers back, and then you get Sanders back. Now you get Brooks back. And all of a sudden, you're looking like you might have the 2008 and 2019s combined 
for 2021 because as long as Larry Tunstall, not Tunstall, uh, that was one no, of my favorites. No that was one of my favorite things this week when somebody asked me if they were related. Bum, 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 bum. T, it, it, yeah, they weren't. They're not. I checked, and uh, they are not related. Just, they're related. They just spell it different. Yeah. <laughs> Birth certificates got messed up. I mean, me and James are cousins. It's cool. <laughs> no, your accent sucks compared to uh, this. He's just got the Australian blood in him. It's fine. <laughs> your family left the cherry farm when you were when you were a wee lad right his his went to jail from the colonies mine went to america <laughs> <laughs> um so now you have everybody outside back but bruno the only person you lose in the backfield is dokes if you if you can get tackle figured out which I, if i'm guessing when we show up at spring practice, my guess is John Williams will be a right tackle and that uh, James Tunstall will be at left. And if you can get that figured out at tackle, holy cow, like that would be – I think I'm going to do that next time I'm on radio, Brian. I'm going to skip 2009. Which use what's the best team you see that you see team ever 2020 or potentially 2021? Because those guys I love Craig Carey and I argued via text for like four hours on last Friday as the Peach Bowl was going on, and then into the evening when I finally had to be like, Craig, I'm trying to write a story, brother. Like, I'm trying to work, and you won't leave me the alone. <laughs> But Craig was not happy that I picked 2020 over 2009. Uh, so that would be the ultimate I mean, troll, the, the ultimate troll job. Too much smoke and mirrors on the t- 2009 defense for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, they gave a 40 to UConn or whatever in that national TV game that. Well, that's what know. I explained to Craig. The 2009 offense is better than the 2020 offense, but not nearly the gap that there is between the 2020 defense and the 2009 defense. And the 2020 special teams, not just punt and kick, but but coverage was incredible. So, I mean, I, I give the edge to 2020. Um, and now 2021 with Des coming back. Who, and Majay coming back, like, poor Ma, and it's just Majay, but it, he's almost like it's like it didn't even happen today with the way everything else went. But you have, to, seen, tell, you have to tell the story. Because it's so damn funny. Okay. Story time with dad. The, this this stays between us, okay? Nobody, nobody, nobody share this anywhere. Um, my Jay is uh, battling with the sports information department uh, because he feels like he should be credited with the sack from when he jumped off sides and, the play and didn't got a count. sack and the play didn't count, but he wants his sack. <laughs> I'm so proud of him. And that's why he didn't have a graphic that looked like all the others when they they were returning. He wasn't going to put it up because he was mad. So proud of him. He's mad that he didn't get his his sack. 
on a play where he was offsides and the play was was wiped out. It's not even like someone else was offsides and <laughs> right. cost him the sack. He was offsides and cost himself. But he wants his stats. Like he, well, of course he look, does, because it helps his draft stock. I had eight ding sacks that year, not seven. He's like, look, I sacked that sorry Dan quarterback. I I, I grabbed him, <laughs> like I sacked him. I know it happened. I seen it. And uh, yeah, so he wasn't happy that they didn't. They won't credit him with a sack. <laughs> oh, the the things that go on behind the scenes. That just sometimes maybe he'll so, to do it again next oh. year. Go ahead, Jim. Who are safeties going to be? You think? Because I mean, Hicks. we got the corners, without, but Cook and Hicks, without question. Okay, because I know Cook was laying the wood, so for sure. Yeah, well, Hicks. I mean, and Hicks was was all conference two years ago, and filling in for Wiggins. So they've got two guys as a as a freshman, right? Uh, redshirt freshman. No, a sophomore. No, he sophomore. played special teams as a freshman. He was one of those guys that um, we have seen over the years with Luke. You can tell who's going to be next in the pipeline based on the guys that fill the special teams units as true freshmen. We saw it with with Forrest. We saw it with Kobe. Uh, Justin Harris, we've seen it with him. Uh, We saw it with Hicks. Um, uh, Pierce, Alec Pierce, we saw it with him. So that that's like the number one reason to really keep your eye on special teams. Look for those true freshmen, and those are the guys that are building trust with with Luke Fickle. Um, how many how many teams can say that they lost an All American safety and they're going to replace him with an All Conference? An All Conference, yeah, an All Conference guy that just happened well, to not really. No, none in our league. Year. That's for damn sure. <laughs> that's because um, all of the defensive backs. That are on the all conference team are from Cincinnati. <laughs> so we've got two here I want to hit on. Um, where do you are think? You handling, are you handling the, the chat now? I'm looking at it now, yeah. Where okay. do you think you see? Yes, I'm scared of Cook. At um, in the preseason rankings. I was trying to think of putting something together today, but I need, I wanted to wait till after the, not that Monday night will determine that, but take a more deeper look into other teams. Personally, I would put them in the top 10. I feel like they'll probably be 11, 12, 13, 14. I think what I'm, there were 20 coming this year in the AP. Um, the thing though, that doesn't really, that, I don't say it doesn't matter, but like there are some good quarterbacks next year. JT Daniels, uh, Keaton Slovis, Sam Howe. But, like, all the Rattler, teams Spencer that Rattler. are really, really good are replacing their quarterback. So you could see, like, yes, North Carolina could be higher than UC because of Sam Howe, and they could go out and lose three games because they're replacing two a 2,000-yard rusher, two, two really good wide receivers. Like, so you could see – and if we have a regular year with 12 games – and actual non-conference games, teams are going to lose. If UC goes 4-0 in non-conference, they're going to be easily in the top eight a month before the first. That's why they can't start us out too high to begin with, because if we do beat those top two teams, they can't put us super high, because Lord forbid you have a G5 that high. 
I want well, to because then when they when teams start losing, then they'll then the shit will start right away and we'll be able to everyone will be bitching and yelling and we'll get the playoff expansion even sooner. Two lost Florida ahead of us already in week four. It's crazy. I mean, <laughs> it there's going to be a big difference next year in that you will, assuming we get past this COVID thing, there will be non-conference games across these big conferences against which you can start doing a more realistic judging of A versus B. And I'm, I just pulled up our schedule for next year. It, it sets up perfectly for us. I mean, it really does. Miami at home, Murray State at home, at Indiana, a couple of conference games probably, at Notre Dame. But we get all of our toughest conference games at home. SMU, Tulsa, Central Florida. They all got to come here. Memphis is not on the schedule. Our road schedule is East Carolina, Navy, Tulane, and South Florida. I, I mean, it sets up perfectly for us. It really does. Win those two games in Indiana. Oh, boy. Yeah. When, I, I, I think my, my guess is my guess is they start at nine. And that Notre Dame game is at a perfect time. It's October 2nd. You're about a month into this schedule. If we take care of business, we're going to be in the top 10. Notre Dame might be there, but that that goes from just some random non-conference game that Notre Dame that NBC's got to cover to a potential top 10 matchup on national TV. And if you see wins that, I mean, I mean, the media already likes Dez's story. And if, if we're coming out of that game 4-0. And the media and loves Luke. Is, right. Yeah. And if Dez is Luke. And if Dez is sort of QB one-ish whispers already, then all of a sudden, hey, game on now. I mean Oh, Cincinnati Notre Dame absolutely has college game day potential. The storylines for that game, Denbrock, Freeman, Mickens, Kelly, Michael Young, like Drama. That game day writes itself. Like you, the producer just that's like sits ESPN back and is like, dream. "I'm well, taking this week off." That game ain't gonna be on ESPN. No, no, it's on NBC. It'll be on NBC still, but, but they could still, still have game day. But that's also usually like that could be Red River weekend. It could be Oklahoma, Texas. That's always the first or second week in October. Um, there's always like a really good SEC game that week too. So. It all it'll really depend on Notre Dame because they lose a lot. They lose a lot, and I don't know who they're. I haven't looked into who they have before you see. So they, I mean, if they have a loss or something, then it won't happen. But we would have beaten Georgia. I missed the end of that one. Before. Do you think we would have seen the number of seniors return that we have? I mean, that's impossible to answer. Who knows? how much it changes the whole, like, run it back. But Notre Dame's got – they're at Florida State, home against Toledo, home against Purdue, and versus Wisconsin and Chicago. That Wisconsin – is that Wisconsin game the last game of September? Yep. They're not beating Wisconsin. Yeah. It could be pretty beat up. (laughs) Wisconsin likes to beat you up. And that's the thing I've seen with like their all oh, Indiana's going to be tough. I'm I'm bullish on Indiana. Well, Freifogel just <laughs> announced today he's coming back. 
yeah. it depends for another depends for another year. So Penix will be. I don't. Who knows if Penix will be able to play? That's the only thing. Yeah. By then he should be. Back. Should be, but we just don't know. I mean, it, especially with the type of quarterback with he with the type of quarterback he is. Yeah. Will he be able to? to will he be able to run? Will he be able? I mean, to they have a four-star. You transfer from Utah that came in behind him, but um, he just makes their – he's like Dez. He makes their offense way more dynamic. He does. You have to respect his I life. saw a bold prediction, yards and touchdowns for Ford next year. I'm going over 1,010-plus. 10-plus touchdowns? Yeah. Easy. Yeah, what, seven this year? It's seven and – 6.6 yards on only 73 carries. I mean, he's going to get two-thirds of your carries. If he's at 200 carries. 15 touchdowns. I mean, I'm yeah, he's just got – you saw – I mean, everybody saw him just run away from <laughs> oh, – From a pretty, a pretty so. fast secondary. The, the, and that's the thing. The, the backup for Ford is what's going to be interesting, right? I mean, Miles Montgomery. Ethan Wright. I'll, I'll stake my claim on Montgomery. You might be you you could be right, Dave. But I'm just thinking. I mean, hopefully Chuck right is, because he's he's a different kind of back. Than, hopefully Chuck oh. is healthy. I mean, he's been our change of pace guy for two years, and we've hardly seen him. Drew Donnelly in a Ty Montgomery style role. <laughs> Does he wear number eighty-eight and play running back too? Like I Ty mean, Montgomery, also in a hoodie. Aaron, I thought you promised to be sober for this tonight. <laughs> I'm only on drink two. It's fine. <laughs> I, I'm big on, my, on on Montgomery as well, Dave, on Miles Montgomery. Um, I think he's a complete – kind of a complete package between speed and size that uh, – I would feel better if he was here early. But, you know – from uh, from what we've seen, you can make an impact at camp. Chuck Dunn, I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. It's his second ACL tear, so it's in different knees. But for a guy that relies so much on speed and explosion, that you worry, right? You worry a little yeah, bit, yeah, of course. I mean, I think Ryan Montgomery is a great guy to have. I just, I doubt he's your, you know, the way they're recruiting, he's not your probably top two, but you would love to have him on your team for special teams and you can trust him to give him the ball if it comes down to it. Here's why I think Paul might be right. Marcus is gone. So, uh, he is not going to be around looking at Ethan Wright like a fat kid looks at cake. <laughs> because trust me, trust me, Denbrock was doing everything possible to get Ethan Wright on the field to show how good he was. So Marcus would leave him alone. <laughs> well, and, and I think what he, what he showed on the field is something that was really important that I don't know that we've seen from Ford yet. And maybe he'll, he'll, he'll have a chance to do it next year but you know those two pass plays where Wright caught the ball and, and put up yards on the wheel 
were really important. And it was, I, I thought it was the one thing that Jared Dokes brought to the table this yeah. year that, that Ford never showed was that Dokes was, was dangerous out of the backfield catching the ball. They never really asked Ford to though. Uh, no. So we don't know what he has there really. Yeah. I, that's why I said he hasn't shown it. It doesn't mean he doesn't have it. Right. But, but right, Ethan Wright clearly has. The other piece I, I wonder about is, and, and this is more, I think, towards Miles Montgomery, is uh, pass protection. Yeah. You don't, I mean, we, we won't know how Miles Montgomery is on pass protection until he stares down Joel DeBlanco on a blitz in, in camp. And then we're going to find out real quick how good he is in pass protection. Actually, given the, the last part of the year, I, I think I'd rather face DeBlanco than Ty Van Fossen. Or Beavers. Or I mean, Beavers. That's, let's get to that for a second. Beavers coming back. Quietly, that kid was a monster at the end of the season. Violent. I mean, just he finally looked like he was playing free, unencumbered. Like he was, you know, he was finally comfortable. He had played so little linebacker in his life, safety in high school, played half a year basically at linebacker at UConn before they moved him to defensive end. Came here, played that like sniper hybrid spot. And then, you know, was finally, he was, and, and I've told this on the board. I can't remember if I've told it in a, a setting like this. He was going to sit out. He was going to opt out because he wanted to come back next year. Like he, he felt like the best thing for him in terms of being a professional down the road and making money on this was to get an extra year and really learn how to play that will linebacker spot. Um, and then, you know, they told him, they're like, look, this thing's moving through where everybody's going to get a free year. So you're going to be able to play this year, redshirt anyway, and come back next year. Like that had been in, like in the plans for Darian Beavers from camp. So uh, blue Smith, look, I don't, I, I, I don't have an answer on blue because he hasn't been healthy more than like 12 practices since he got here. And I, I don't know, like I, it, it, he's two years. He hasn't played uh, until I see him out on there. There were flashes at times at practice, but, but inconsistency was a problem. Um, you know who he reminds me of? Who? He's, he's an Auden Tate. Maybe. <laughs> like he's probably a tight end in college. Probably. Good luck going into that tight end room and finding snaps. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, the very few practices we saw of him at higher ground that year, I just doesn't – he's not an outside guy. He just isn't quick enough, isn't fast enough. He has isn't good that, hands. Isn't that why he left O State? They wanted him yeah. to play, play tight end, and he wasn't for that. Yeah. Right. He, he wants to play wide receiver. He thinks that's his best chance. I mean, I, I don't blame him. I get it. Uh, Jaden Thompson um, – I mean, he had flashes this year, but he, the consistency wasn't there. Uh, I worry in terms of where he fits next year, he he pretty clearly got passed by Tyler Scott. So hey, now you have – yeah. I was going to go back to something you said about <clears throat> Darian Beavers. Uh, one of the things that – the fact that he's still here, um, he was part of the James Tunstall uh, 
recruiting process. Uh, yeah, they were, they were. It's been touched were, on in stuff that I've read, but I just wanted to make sure that it was like kind of a known thing. Yeah, they were, um, they were in the same 2017 recruiting class at UConn. Uh, and they were friends in their two years. Both of them spent two years at UConn. So he was huge. And Tunstall, I, th- I think, reached out, or Beavers reached out when he went into the portal uh, and then got the coaches involved. And that definitely uh, gave him a reason to uh, to further explore Cincinnati. Um, all right, before Aaron interrupted me. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Jaden Thompson fell behind Tyler Scott. So you're going to have Pierce. And you're going to have Young, and those are going to be your two primary outside guys right away. Uh, you've got senior Jay Sean Jackson. You've got Trey Tucker. Uh, you've got Tyler Scott. You've got uh, Jordan Jones. Where exactly – I mean, Jaden Thompson's going to op- obviously have an opportunity to, to climb back up that list, but um, he's got work to do now because he's got some dudes ahead of him that that can play so could you imagine saying <laughs> uh 18 months ago that a four-star soon-to-be sophomore wide receiver that started a couple games was probably going to be like eighth or ninth on the wide receiver depth chart <laughs> and that wide receiver room before this time last year he probably would have been second third first Pierce would have been ahead of him. Who would have been Trent Cloud? No. Javon Hawes? No. He probably would have been your number two. And now we're talking about how can you get him on the field as your sixth or seventh guy? Uh, and Blue, that's another problem Blue faces. Red shirt next year? I have no idea. Maybe. I I don't know. <laughs> I love I, I love that you guys really think I have answers for stuff that that is like nine months from now. I am not that smart. I promise. I think you should have like a magic eight ball that you get out for things that no, you I, don't I, know. No, you just, I did, I did that say, for a long time. Say yes or no, and then someone will remember it when it doesn't happen, and then they'll yell at you. For <laughs> yeah, see that? After 14 years, I've learned that trick. That's exactly what they do. Remember that Zoom? I, remember that Zoom you did on January 8th, 2021, where you said Jaden Thompson would be uh, the, the, the fourth receiver? 9, 12 p.m. You still have Marquise Bell, Chris Scott. Like, Yeah. You got a lot of dudes in that wide receiver room. Hell, 18 months ago, Dowron Donaldson would have probably been in the top three. Yeah, he, played, he was good in camp. Yeah. And then and- – couldn't play. Didn't get. Couldn't get on the field. Couldn't get on the field. So, uh, I don't know. I, Aaron, I used to have a magic eight ball. Norman Love two. Yes, it's around. I don't know where. It's around here somewhere. Ask your and daughter. I, I used to use it for um, for Monday night the the weekly chats when people would ask me stuff like that, and I would shake the magic eight ball and I would just answer uh, whatever the magic eight ball said. If you, if you can't find it, I'm getting you one for your birthday. <laughs> can hold it's me around here one. somewhere it's around here somewhere um gene thomas that's that one's going to be interesting uh him and david jones with DeBlanco and and beavers returning uh wilson huber right now is still at linebacker uh i think he probably stays there but i wouldn't be shocked if he 
ventured back over to the other side of the ball as kind of that Bruno LaBelle uh, inline tough guy uh, to move forward some of the linebacker depth. Um, but you would think right now I would have Van or uh, I would have Pace, I would have Huber, and I would have Engel as my my second team linebackers with Thomas and David Jones probably right behind. Imagine if I'd have told Paul, imagine if I'd have told you when Tommy Tuberville lost his job that in four years we would talking, we would be uh, talking in depth about who will be the seventh and eighth wide receivers and who will be the seventh and eighth linebackers and, and talking with confidence. Like, I mean, those guys are pretty damn good. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, Tuberville recruit, they recruited some good guys. They just didn't coach them up very well. Well, that, and they didn't recruit any depth. Yeah. They didn't recruit the depth. I mean, that was the thing. They had a couple dudes here and there, but like, even I remember back when, like uh, when Michael Pitts, and Wiggins got to campus uh, that first year and watching them at practice, like, well, these dudes are clearly different than everybody else that's here right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you could just see it athletically that those guys were, were on a different level than, than a lot of the guys on the roster. Um, there just was no depth. I mean, that's kind of the point I was getting at. Like, when we were breaking down those rosters – and I remember vividly because Tim retired and left me to cover a four and eight team. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> like he didn't know what he was doing to me when he retired. But you, you looked at those teams and it was like, all right, well, here's the starting, you know, middle linebacker, but who's outside. Here's one corner don't know like uh, uh, Lyndon Stevens and Grant Coleman where you're starting corners. Lyndon Stevens would have probably been a good nickel or been a good, you know, fourth guy. And he's, he's hung around in the, on the, on the edge of the NFL for a while. Yeah. I was going to say he's so, a bad example because he's playing on Sunday. Yeah. Who saw that coming? Nobody. Yeah. Uh-huh. Lyndon Stevens, Lyndon Stevens and his dad, like, and that's not a, a shot at, at Lyndon because he was solid. That's not to say that he wasn't any good. It was to say that he's not at the level that we've seen and the level we've seen. Would he have played ahead of sauce and Kobe or Arquan? Probably not. Justin Harris. Just imagine imagine if my favorite guy was still on the team, Chad. Which one, Dave? AT. They have the best secondary in the nation. I mean, he would have graduated like, three years ago by now wouldn't he he would have gone pro early let's not kid ourselves he was really good until he shook down a uh, drug dealer dealer. held him at gunpoint (laughs) on on camera in the in the hallway of uh the apartment complex not great oops uh at was at was good though i mean i share the name (laughs) the full name he was have uh... you been to prison luckily no Okay. Well, you're one up. You're, doing, on him. you're one up. You're doing a little bit better. <laughs> Winning. Yeah. AT AT was really talented. And that kid was that kid was very good. But there weren't a lot of them, was the problem. There just weren't the numbers weren't there. Um 
Dave, uh, what did you think when Godfrey said Luke wouldn't be here uh, in 2020? I was typing, typing an answer. Um, I, uh, I agreed. I just felt it would have been too easy to just be like next year. So I'm, I wanted to see if he would like be like, yeah, I think he could actually be there. Or not. I mean, I, I, I actually am starting to think, and this could be totally, totally off base, that unless Notre Dame or Ohio State opens, I actually think I could see Luke in the NFL over just taking some other college job. I'd still be worried about Penn State. That one is on the like a notch below the other two, but like the one I the one I'm actually worried about is if Dan Mullen weasels his way into the NFL because Florida Urban proved that you don't have to be from the South to go in there, and they would if they wanted Luke. I mean, he would walk in to a top five job, top three job with a full plan in place of like, this is exactly how it's going to go. And this is exactly how we're going to get to 10, 11, 12 wins a year. And, you, know, and you get every, to do it in the East. Every, I mean, Florida is an insane job when it's, when it's done right. Like it is top three, top five hands down. Yeah. And that one I'm like, you know, are they smart enough? To, to go after him or they do do the bullshit like oh let's go get some other SEC inbred offensive coordinator that has we can all pass around in four years and I can't see the SEC does all the time I mean I'm, I'm even with three losses they're top 10 I'm one of them I'm one of them and I still make fun of it because it's like there are good football coaches outside of your little you know, cluster down there, guys. You don't have to all hire Will Muschamp and Gus Malzahn and Hugh Freeze. Like, you can do better. You're allowed to do better. But af- after Muschamp, I can't see them going defense again. Like, I, right, yeah. but, I mean, they have Mullen, though, and he's just a, a whiny but, little shit. So here's, here's what could change that. They were top 15 in offense this year at Cincinnati. If they're top 10 in offense next year at Cincinnati, that defense label kind of fades away a little bit because then you're seen as a head coach that can run a program that facilitates both, that can be good in, in all three phases of the game. Uh, I think that changes that narrative a little bit where if you're hanging around in the 30s, the 40s on offense, that defense-only label is going to stick with you, right? If Des comes out and pops – as a Heisman finalist and projected to be one of the top two or three quarterbacks taken in the draft, then Luke becomes a complete coach in perception and perception matters. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. If we can send some people on offense to the league, that'll change your perception. I I can definitely see that. Especially a quarterback. Other than those though, like, I just don't know. Like I don't see him. Like, I could see him going to the NFL before I see him just going to, like, some – even if it's an SEC or Big Ten job that isn't one of those other ones. I'm like, why do you need to do that? I don't I don't see it. And there's been already a lot of discussion from the media about them thinking more college coaches are going to go to the NFL because it's just going to get harder and harder to coach college with name image likeness the transfer portal, 
the one-time automatic transfer rule that if you just want to coach ball, the NFL is for you and you don't have to worry about all this other ancillary nonsense. Yeah, but is that Luke? I mean, I gets wound up talking about the 18 to 22 year old. He does. But at what point do you, if they, if it, if the, whatever, if all the other stuff continues to make it harder for you to enjoy the, the aspects that you like, he is a, he is a ball coach, you know, above all else. And, you know, could he just say, you know what? I just want to go coach a team. I don't have to worry about all this other nonsense. So one of the early returns on Matt Rule, since I'd say he's the most most recent comp, right? What's the in a fairly a fairly good comp, actually. I mean, I mean the way think, that they do things. I think they're good. I mean, he his staff is about to get ravaged, which says a lot about him. I mean, if Joe Brady gets a head coaching job, he's going to lose his offensive coordinator and his quarterback coach in one year and Carolina wasn't great, but I think the players loved his demeanor, his personality. And, you know, I think if they figure out a quarterback situation, I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is their guy, but I think as a whole, I mean, he came in with a new owner too. So the owner obviously is going to ride with him for a while. McCaffrey um, was injured like all season too. McCaffrey was hurt and their defense was a just an absolute disaster two years ago. They all seven of their draft picks this year were on defense. So they're they've got a ways to go, but I think him as a coach, I think the returns were were good from what I was able to. I mean, I don't really follow them, but it, I definitely didn't hear anything like he's in over his head. He's he's a college guy. This isn't going to work. It's, it's definitely not a Steve Spurrier situation, or it doesn't appear to be you know, after year one. It can't hurt that one of Luke's best friends is a coach, so. Right. Yeah, and I mean, they're basically like twins. Vrabel's a little bit more uh, gregarious. He said he'd cut his dick off to win a Super Bowl. Sorry. I mean, Luke Luke probably feels like that. He just doesn't. uh, He literally said that. That's wild. That's absolutely wild. (laughs) Why? That's like a quote of the decade. <laughs> he also he also had a, one of his kids or someone taking a dump in the background of their that Zoom call happened. during the NFL draft. They weren't taking a dump. They were just seated in a right. I mean, but it made it look like it yeah, made it in a look like that. So it Fantastic. Was, it was funny as hell. <laughs> he sounds like a guy that you could like. Okay, so I've explained Luke that as I would like, like to drink twenty beers with. He would drink right, one like, at the table. So I've explained Luke as like the uncle that you want to hang out with at the barbecue, like the Fourth of July barbecue. Uh, Rabel's the Rabel. uncle you go out with after right, after the, the barbecue. You finish golf entertainment establishments. Yeah, you finished my analogy. Like like Luke is the guy you're flipping burgers with and like you know talking about life and. Uh, your business ventures, and and then Rabel's the like blackout with. Let's go. <laughs> you want to go steal Luke some is, shit? <laughs> Luke, Luke is like, I'm going home with my wife and kids. <laughs> you have fun with Uncle Mike. Oh, <laughs> uh, but their coaching is similar, even though their personalities. Vrabel might be a little more. Uh, little more turned up. Vrabel jumped to the NFL pretty quick though. So 
he was supposed to be the defensive coordinator here, right? Right. <laughs> um, but like he he moved pretty much at pretty soon after his career. I mean, he was back in the league. Um, but he had much more NFL pedigree and like Belichick's blessing and right. That's what I'm saying. Like, so it's not as like Luke would be making a pretty big jump to spend this much time in college and then decide that I want to go coach in the league. But it's you know outside of a few jobs, unless something cr- just crazy happens we were like of course you're going to take the clemson job after davos sweeney Elliott. like who i mean i'm just throwing that out there but like i we're at the point now like what what job is he going to leave for outside of those few unless he gets to the point where like we're two three years down the road and this playoff thing is still a disaster and they're still in the aac and he's like i don't care i'm just gonna go win here because at least i if i do win i'll get into the playoff at this at x school so Dave, well, here's an interesting. Here, here's I, I got a question for Dave Keith. I got I got to I got to cut you off. Go ahead. <laughs> so, two years from now, the, the the Zach Taylor experiment finally blows up, and Mike Brown comes calling on the easy call because Luke Fickle has established himself as a god in the city, um, and Mike Brown loves the easy call, right? Well, yeah. Do do you take that call if you're Luke? I mean, do you want to coach in the? Yeah, I mean, you take the call. And there's no harm in not taking the call. Do you take the job? I mean, Mike is Mike. Mike Brown's going to be alive in two years. Um, and go get Katie and Troy. <laughs> like, there's a fucking difference. <laughs> there's a huge. There's a huge difference. Got to build an indoor practice facility first. Why? Do, I, why they have they have the perfect system? They just rent UCs out. I wouldn't build one either. You see, only charges the like, county's on the hook for it. You see, only charges like four dollars an hour for the Bengals <laughs> to use that thing. Um, no, I wouldn't. You wouldn't? No. Um, if I was the owner, he would say yes. Look, obviously. Look, but, man, I'll tell you this right now. I'm taking that Bengals job all day, every day. No, not four dollars an hour. Seriously, I'm being facetious. <laughs> <laughs> four, 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 zero, 40, 40 yeah, dollars now. Taking that Bengals job all day, every day. You're getting the length of your contract. Oh, like, I mean, that's a given. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you want, if you want primo, <laughs> primo chef's kiss job security, <laughs> then, then for sure. Um, I, I would think at that point, if that was something he was interested in, other teams would know about it, and he would have to take that call. <laughs> You'd get a better job than that. right. I hear they have a history. On I don't know. Former Bearcats coaches. You're, you're getting you're getting Joey B. in entering his his second contract, entering his prime, and still no lineman to block for him, and, and no scouting, True. no scouting uh, department. Duke Tobin's excellent. What are you talking about? He's only it's only taken him five years to I'm about to, I'm about to hang up if we don't you know to, it's only off. taken him five years to unsuccessfully rebuild an offensive line. Jackass. All right. When did this become a Bengals podcast? <laughs> I just had to ask the Dave. lease expires in twenty twenty six. Won't they die? be in Toronto? No, Maybe they could no chance. I shouldn't say no chance. It's almost impossible to move a team. Plus they have one year options for ten years. After the contract expires. Okay, we're done here. Um, I just I had to get that yeah. one in on Dave because I know you know Dave's a, a diehard 
Bengals guy. Um, what were you, what were you going to get to Keith before I cut you off? Well, it, it, we kind of got off on a tangent, but it, I'm it's good at that. You think? <laughs> I'm if really, talking, really good at that. If we're talking a wild card situation and granted, this is way off in left field. I'm thinking back to Mike Vrabel when he took the Titans job, he hired Kerry Combs as his, as one of his coaches, and he did reasonably well down there. Urban Meyer is getting a lot of press recently about getting an NFL job, I guess, in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Does he, he like reach back to Luke and say, Hey, do you want me? You want to be my DC down here in uh, Jacksonville? I don't think you would have any interest in doing that. No, and neither do I. I mean, I'm just saying we're spitballing. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure Urban would would give it a shot. <laughs> what I worry more is that he calls. Well, I mean, I guess never mind. I was going to make a bad point, so I'm not going to do it. Actually, See, Aaron, that's how you stop yourself. Sometimes it's so hard. <laughs> what happens in two years? When Brian Kelly retires, I mean, send him off, and he yeah. and suddenly, if we were talking about it today, the person that we would want to succeed, Luke, isn't available anymore. Why not? Because in, then he just succeeds it, Brian it, Kelly at Notre no. Dame. Well, I think Brian. I think BK's like found the fountain of youth. Would we? Would we be trade then? Would we? Would be? Would we be trading Luke for for uh, for Marcus? I'd make that trade. Sure, I would too. I I mean, I and wouldn't love it more than DC. I wouldn't love it. I, I don't want Marcus to go anywhere. I don't want Luke to go anywhere. Uh, but as long as one of them is running the program, I think it's in good hands. Like I. I after four years, I've been around those two guys enough. As long as it's one of the two, I'm good. Mainly because they like me, or at least they tolerate me, which is, for me, that's what I consider like is tolerate. Like, my wife tolerates me. Doesn't mean she likes me, but, you know, she hasn't told me to get the hell out yet, so we're good. I, I think Luke likes you. If he didn't like you, he would just ignore you. He he beats on you that's a that's a good oh he loves to pick on me yeah he loves to pick on me there is no question about that i know how that feels not for i pick on you it's it, we, i i reciprocate you, you i reciprocate it. yeah i reciprocate he uh the last time i talked to him he had you know he's obviously with the bowl game and everything he's been very busy and i had called him like five days earlier and he didn't answer and then he called me back and he's like uh you think I I didn't like you anymore and I was like I didn't think you liked me in the first place uh but I also like you're a little busy uh so I I was not expecting an answer when I called you and uh it's very nice of you to call me back what can I do for you (laughs) but that's my relationship with Luke it is a constant uh a constant uh, pull and tug of him picking at me and and me having to take it much like I, I just dish it out to Aaron. Well, I mean, it's, uh, either, it's, either, Justin, you or, it's either you or Justin. You're the only two that actually show up to every damn practice. And 
Yeah, but Justin's a little more sensitive to me. I expect the Empire. <laughs> well, and he works for a reputable outlet. You can't right, expect I work the Empire for... to do that. Come on now. No, you can't. He does work for a reputable outlet, and I work for me. So uh, we, we've got a little bit different set of standards than the athletic does. Uh, Justin, though, Justin's getting a little a little hardened over the past like six months. I've noticed his uh, his sarcasm and his um, you can tell he's been in the media for a little while now uh, by the way he handles things because it's not as uh, not as golly gee as it used to be. <laughs> I've given him a hard time on it too. I'm like, you're turning into me, and he's like, I can see why after 14 years you are like you are. Well, this is one of those beats, man, that it never, ever stops. There is always something going on. We didn't even we haven't even talked about the fact that the basketball team learned how to play defense in the last 10 minutes last night. Yeah, we're in an hour. We're 90 minutes into the thing and haven't hit on the basketball team is, breaking is my, a five-game losing streak. Is that my cue to, to go? Bye, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tagged Berg. I was hoping to get Berg to show up, but – uh, he didn't bite. He's still his celebrating. Tweet, he's still celebrating the basketball win. His <laughs> tweet last night was unbelievable. Good, unbelievable. Good. Did everybody see it? Mm-hmm. Drinking the truth. Yeah, no, he had a he had a can of beer. He had a, all it was. It was like a seven to nine second video, and all it was was Berg staring at his camera, going, "Yeah, yeah." And then he took a drink of his beer. And he looked back at the camera and he was like, yeah. And then the video ended and that was it. It was out. It was so Justin Berg. It was fantastic. It's one of my favorites. Talk about it. I mean, let's talk. What do you want to, what do you guys want to talk about? Talk about. Well, I want to, I want to get to a comment you made, which I wholeheartedly agreed with where we have a lot of pieces, but not a lot of parts. parts. I think we're discovering there are some parts there that are well, developing. That was the point in particular. Yeah. Ethan in particular. And I think NCAA tournament to be damned. Go small. Commit yourself to playing these young guys and building amongst some foundational pieces that I saw kind of emerge yesterday. Let's, let's that, well, Aaron, we're not here to dump on anybody. Relax. I'm not dumping. I'm just saying less minutes. It worked out. But, Keith, that was the exact um, point of the pieces and parts analogy. Because when I made it, it was that Luke Fickle has parts. Right. Those parts used to be pieces. Because when he got here, it was broken. Those those When we first started seeing... Derek Forrest and Kobe Bryant and Jarrell White and those guys on special teams, they were pieces. They weren't right. ready to help. But they got seasoning. They moved up the depth chart and they became parts. And then when they became parts, then they became important parts, engines and tires, wheat steering wheels, like things you really fucking need. Uh, right. And that was the point is that, that, that John hasn't gotten to a point where he's been able to turn the pieces into parts. Sorry, Dan. I forgot that. Yeah. Um, well, we're way past that. Well, we're 90 minutes in. I mean, there's no way Dan and Sam are still listening. 
They might be. Um, no shot. No shot. You're right. Um, but that was kind of the whole like point of that analogy was they haven't had the time on the floor, especially together, to really start to to show things. Harvey is starting to look like a part. Davenport yep. is definitely a part. Eason yep. is definitely a part. Um, Mike Adams Woods, if he can get his, he's not going to go five of six, but if he can be a two for five guy from three every game, now he's starting to become a part. And I think a lot of people want to jump on John because he relied on his older guys early. What was he supposed to do at that point in time? Right. This wasn't, I know everybody says this was a move to go small and technically, yes. Last night was a move to go young. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. This might've happened last year. If Trey Scott hadn't decided the the first get on my back, right? Yeah. Get on my back. If this is my last year, I'm going to carry you. And he did. He literally carried us. We could have easily been talking like this last year. Think how many of the games that they've lost this year that they won last year where they yeah. stormed back at the end. And because of Trey and because of Jaron, they were able to make those plays in the final minute to, to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> and now yeah. it's, 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 it's the exact opposite because they don't have um, that, that senior leadership, the Brandon versus Jaron feud grow up, Jaron. Quit being a dumbass. Got him. That, well that's said. all I have to say on that. Quit being a dumbass. What's whether he's he right or wrong, whether he's right or wrong, quit being a dumbass. But how fun has the maturation process of Jeremiah Davenport been? Dude, you know how much money I would have lost if you'd have told me Jared, Jeremiah Davenport was going to be the best player on this team. You through, got, through you got mad at nine me games. said he was the go-to guy just – when we recorded on I, Monday. I still don't think he's a go-to guy. But he was just this week. He still very rarely has the ability to, to put the ball. Notice it was Keith in the final two minutes. 14% to 41% has been fun. He can shoot a catch-and-shoot three. Other, yeah, it's off other people creating for him. It's, they went to Keith down the stretch because – Keith is better at what I told you Keith is better at. I know. Than Jeremiah. I, all I said was how fun has the maturation process been? It's been amazing. You get real mad at me. I didn't get mad at you. I'm trying to explain to you. And apparently you still didn't listen. Cause I'm having to explain it again. My life. Maybe we should go back to talking about football. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Paul. Um, I mean, we can if you want. We've uh, lost I, a couple people since we talked started talking <laughs> basketball. <laughs> Everybody was here for the football talk. Look, it was a good win. It was a good win. This is the this was the first time in four weeks I actually cared enough, and I and I was out last night. I didn't. I, I didn't. I still haven't had a chance to watch the game. I, I when I I had to go out to an appointment. I, when I left, it was halftime, and they were down by six. And I looked at the box score, and and I think uh, I think SMU was shooting forty nine percent from the floor, and I thought, yeah, same old, same old. Can't find a stop. And they couldn't for a and, while. And, 
Well, yeah, I was going to say to the last 10 minutes, evidently they, they still couldn't, but the last 10 minutes looked like they got yeah. stopped. You just have to be able to build off of it or it's just a random win and a crappy yeah. year. Uh, you, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got Wichita State Sunday. I think that one is going to be obviously very difficult to get. Um, but then you've got what? ECU at home. My brain's broken today. Who's, there's somebody winnable after ECU at home. Temple. Aaron, look that up. Temple, yeah. So if you can get those two, now you've won three of four. Which when we talked about on our podcast with Brent, uh, if you can get three of the next six, that would be three of the next six. Yeah. If you can get three of four there, you know, now all of a sudden you're looking at some momentum. And you're looking at a team that's starting to believe in itself and a team that's starting to find an identity. The problem being, uh, you know, they have been on a tightrope every game. So they're probably going to be on a tightrope against ECU. They're probably going to be on a tightrope against Temple. Uh, they're probably going to be on a tightrope against Wichita State. The identity um, 94 feet each way, John Brandon told me so. I'm going to stab you. <laughs> Just mute him. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Chris Vote. I, I think he was used situationally. I was uh, – I don't like those situations. Well, he's just – right no. now, he's so bad right now. It's so frustrating because that first, that first half, when they first put him in, he gave up eight points in like what about three – Three what about at the end when they make the comeback and they put him in and they run a high low and he throws the ball right to SMU. At least he went down yeah. and made up for it <laughs> and and walled up and actually played good post defense. Uh, how about the time that he got pinned on the dude's backside and just watched a guy go for a dunk? Yes. Ah! Uh, I was screaming. Mike Saunders got taken out a lot because he had three turnovers in two minutes. What's kind of frustrating, too, though, is that Mamadou's not playing much better minutes. And I know that he wasn't practicing with the team for weeks. I mean, he was good in his minutes, I thought, for the most part, against uh, SMU. So if he continues to be good in his minutes, he will see his minutes expand. It's, it's what we saw with Zach Harvey that I tried to tell people about for – Two weeks. That's been exciting to watch too, though, his maturation. I know. And I was exactly right about that. If he continues to be good in his minutes, his minutes will start to expand. And his minutes are starting to expand. So um, we'll see with Mamadou. Got to play better. Got to play consistently better. And then your minutes increase. Well, I think Dan Dockett, who had the color commentary last night. Yeah. Well, worst. ignoring – he did make a good point in that – 40 minutes, he made it, one good point. <laughs> it, it, it used to be the case. If you if you came down the rim yeah, you got came down the lane to, like, dunk or lay up, we were going to make you pay for it. And that's – and we, we haven't seen that. Granted, we don't have that player to, that can I do mean, that. I think that's kind of an evolution of basketball, though, because yeah, because everything's spread. 
everybody plays yeah. a lot softer than they used to because you can't even hand check anymore. I mean, well, and and with the floor, you know, now you have fives that can shoot threes, and you don't, you know, right. in the old days, you had a guy that you were able to hang out weak side and just your job is to hammer, you know. We already got all, we got members. I, I hate to Max and Hicks. We got members breaking in to our to our message boards with direct messages with Mike Daniels about being the running backs coach. It's fantastic. <laughs> You're a trendsetter, Mike. Okay. I, I'm not gonna say that Mike has already slid in my DMs. Mike but I'm not, says it's not time. gonna say, and, I, and yeah. I agree. It is time. I'm not not gonna say that Mike not, has already slid into my DMs. <laughs> Mike's awesome. I love Mike. Mike is fantastic. So, so I would be happy quick, to have Mike on staff. What I saw from the last, I mean, Chad, you posted this and I replied to it about we get close, we give up a run, rinse and repeat. And I'm, I saw this last night and I'm like, get over the freaking hump. And they finally did and figured yep. out a way to win a game. Let's yeah, see over, if that carries over to Wichita State that they look figured out a way to win a game. You're not gonna get over the hump you can't get stops when it matters they yeah. they gave up six points in the final 551 last night six yeah. like i That's said on defense in the last 10 minutes yeah i it, mean in the first half it was a parade to the rim so you yeah you just have there it's not going to matter That's why it's like is it a blip or is it a trend it's all about the defense i mean they have the pieces to, to be good enough offensively but you can't just let people I mean, they weren't even. There were points in the first half where I was like, "Are they even trying to stop them from scoring, or just letting them score so we can get the ball and go down and try to score as quickly as we can?" Open gym. It, it felt really, like it, open gym. It was a it was a summer league game in the first half. Yeah. Uh, to say that I wanted to pick my big screen up and toss it at Boat's defense over the first ten minutes of the first half is an understatement. Oh, we weren't bashing players. I'm not bashing a player. I'm explaining my uh, level of frustration at their inability to to protect the rim. And he was talking and about near TV. We're not. We're not. Yeah, like, I was talking about my TV. We're not saying anything about. All he said was less minutes. How's that any different? The guy's character. He's just. He's not I good. didn't either. Oh, the crazy thing is. He's not. The crazy good. thing is, is these are there are things that he did last year at least reasonably well that have escaped him completely this year. That's the crazy part about it. Like that's the part that doesn't make any sense. It's he's so in his head right now, but yeah, it's amazing. His confidence is totally shot, which is, I think his, yeah, there are ways. And I, and hopefully as this progresses, he and John can figure out, the right ways for him to be able to come in and, and, and be Trey Scott made up for a lot of his deficiencies. Uh, true. But Trey Scott wasn't putting the ball in the basket for him when he was catching it on the low block. Those things happened. Like that's the, the move he made when he tried to score in the second half looked nothing like the Chris vote we saw last year when he got the ball near the rim, there was complete, uh, 
indecisiveness. Like he didn't trust what he knows how to do. And I think that's the part that you're like, you're, you're working to get that part figured back out because there are ways he can help you. It's, uh, it's just not happening right now at all. And it's, I'm sure John's just as frustrated as anybody. And, and you know, Chris is like, he wants to help. Uh, is Vic not playing this year? Uh, he hasn't been cleared to practice. So uh, until he's cleared to practice, I'm going to assume that he is not going to play. Now, I mean, Mason Madsen was in a boot for five weeks. Uh, the boot came off and he saw the floor. Vic has probably a lot longer way to go. Uh, than Mason does, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm not anticipating seeing Vic this year unless something changes drastically over the next week or two. He's been out for, I mean, he's been out since like September. Did he have surgery before he got here or after he got here? No, it was when he got here. Um, he was going through, like he had to quarantine and all that. He was going through individual workouts and he kept, talking about his knee being sore uh as his as he was going through workouts so then they went in and took a look and and needed to to do some work uh gay madsen no i don't he opted out for mental health reasons he's back home uh i believe taking online courses but he's back home in in minnesota i, I think um so he's still enrolled he's still you know uh part of the team per se, but he's handling some things mentally back home that, you know, he's got to get right. I guess Dave just left. Bye Dave. Dave was the Dave just literally was like, screw this basketball stuff. I'm out of here. Well, he was chatting. <laughs> well, without, without warning, he was just like, I'm out of here. <laughs> screw you guys. And everybody you do differently. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult. And look, if there were a situation that was bad, as close as him and his brother are, both of them would be would be gone, and Mason stuck around. And as, as hopefully, boy, that shot was pure, wasn't it? And <laughs> yep. there was no there was no hesitation. That's a dude that has shot a lot of three pointers in his life because he caught and fired just bang. And it was well, he's there was Joe. There was a lot of there was a lot of talk before the season that he was way more ready than Gabe just because he could defend because he knew where to be on defense because he understood, you know, how to, to handle things defensively. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see where his role progresses as things go forward, because I think he can be a piece, you know, it might only be three, four, five minutes a half, Come on but he can bench. be a piece. A part, a part. Jays and yeah, play a little, be an irritant on defense. Right. Well, you know, I, I know. I think he can carve out a role. I know a lot of people are talking about like get him more minutes, but where are you going to take the minutes from? That's the problem. Is well, where who do you take them as Harvey continues to mature, as Keith Williams still struggles to find a shot and all that? You're not going to take out your best player. Let's be honest. Um, arguably, anyway. Um, where do, where do you find his minutes? Yeah, the key thing somebody asked earlier, what's wrong with Keith? I and mean, Keith's averaging 15 points a game. Like he maybe slow, though. Okay. Uh, I, I'm just 
thrown out of rock. <laughs> okay. that's, not my, that's not how I feel, but I mean. That, he's had games where he started very fast. You're right. And then he's disappeared after. The problem with Keith is Keith plays in spurts. Keith is a hot hand. He's streaky. He's streaky. And, yeah, he's not consistent. But when has he ever been consistent? Not ever. I so, think people just see the NBA athleticism in him and they say, well, yeah. then he should perform like an NBA. And the reality is not everyone's able to have both. Well, Remember what we used to say about Shaq Thomas? Oh, poor the Shaq. Same thing. Oh, God. I could jump out of the building and we kept waiting for him to do something. He never did. So we were always on his case. And everybody okay. looked back at that Creighton game. Like in the, in the tournament, remember when they lost to Creighton and Shaq was awesome. And everybody's like, well, here we go. That Shaq next year. And it was like, well, actually it was just because he was playing against a bunch of like six, seven, really slow white dudes. I don't think it helps that his nickname's Brooklyn and people automatically compare him to SK because of that. SK was from White Plains. It's like right in the same area. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, it's, New yeah. York. it's fine. Yeah. It's all the same area. <laughs> Do you know how big New York is? Looking like someone from Ohio. Fine. Yeah, yeah. White Plains and Brooklyn, right? Ohio next State to each and other. Cincinnati are the, right next to each other. Get it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. In traffic, Paul, you might be two hours trying to get the White Plains from Brooklyn. That's true. Um, but no, that I mean, it's Keith is what he like. We knew coming in who Keith was. We want something. I mean, that's the natural thing. Like you want that next step. You want that guy to become something that he's never been before. I think he has in a lot of ways, but because he hasn't been the closer that we want him to be, then everybody thinks that he's, he's not playing well, or he's not playing hard. He's cut down on the, the, some of the dumb fouls. He still drives you nuts with one of the things I, one of my coaches in high school, one mistake won't kill you two will. And Keith is a guy that will make two mistakes, right? He will miss a shot. He will take a stupid shot. It's like three mistakes. He'll take a stupid shot, miss the shot, and then foul somebody 93 feet from the basket because he's upset because he missed the stupid shot that he took. And that's how he ended up on the bench in a lot of games. One mistake wasn't killing him, two was. Because the missed shot you can live with, especially your defense gets back and gets set, whatever, um, then you're okay. But your defense goes back and gets set, and then instead of you going back and getting set, you just hack somebody at the opposite free throw line for no damn reason. And then you do it two minutes later to get your second foul, and you're on the bench. Like, come on, man. Like, that, that's the stuff that was killing him. We're seeing him start to eliminate some of that stuff. He's going to play in spurts as a scorer. That's who he is. And I'll give also Dockage credit. I don't like it. But he's right. Keith is a right-wing scorer. He's not a, you know, Jaron was a top-of-the-key guy. Because Jaron had those hesitations. Jaron had a better handle. And, and Jaron could get you on the hip from the top of the key. Keith can't get you on the hip from the top of the key. Instead, what's he do? Through his legs, behind his back, dribble, 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 dribble pull up from 18 feet because he can't get anywhere with the ball and take a bad 18 foot jumper from the right wing. He can play to the rim. And we saw a lot more of that at the end of the game. 
One thing Doc said last night that I think frustrated a lot of uh, Cincinnati fans uh, was that defense was optional. In that game, it was. Yeah, that's but been that's, their problem all year. That's not something that Cincinnati fans are accustomed to seeing, though. Is, okay, but he was point. right. I don't disagree. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think a lot of this is John wants to pressure you out with his defense. What we have been used to for 30 years is the defense packing in and saying, come at us. Like, let's fight. John's philosophy is more take the space away. The rim protection is terrible, but a lot of that is spacing. Even, you know, although Tari showed he could cover that ground as a weak side, a help side, track a guy down the lane as he's going towards the rim, come over and, and, and alter a shot. Tari showed he can be uh, – he has those abilities. So that was promising. Chris Vote does not. Tall as Tari, 8, 6'8", 6'9". That's 6'8". And not like – they used to list, list Max at 6'8", and he was like 6'4 and a half. When they were doubling, <laughs> excuse me, when they were Can doubling. Can we talk about how terrible their doubles were? <laughs> they're, the guy that they would come off of was open every time, and they'd find Well, you know why? They're too slow they, to recover. No, they doubled on the backside of the play. You double to get between the guy and the rim. They were doubling to the back hip. Clearing out, clearing the clearing lane. Clearing out the space yeah. for the guy to dunk, run to the rim and dunk. They did it on a, um, they did it on a trap too. That I think Harvey ran over to the left baseline to trap full court, and instead of creating that wall between one defender, two defender, and the sideline, like you create that little triangle. Harvey tried to create a reverse triangle where the ball handler was already past him. And that's not how that works. <laughs> and, and somebody that has watched thousands of hours of college basketball practice over the years, that stuff was driving me crazy last night, Joe, because they were going to the wrong hip when they were trying to run the double at a, you know, and they were running a big to big double and not taking away the passing lane to the guy that was filling. Yeah, what I, I I didn't handle that well either, Joe. It bet him at the end of the Tulsa game too. They kept yeah. finding the, the guy down low in the Tulsa game. Well, they would. That was more Tulsa had figured if you drive baseline, the the main big man defender was going to 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 go baseline automatically and not pay attention to the guy. It wasn't Tulsa wasn't running guys at the rim. Tulsa had one dude that just stood there and waited for his man to come off of him. Mm -hmm. And then they would throw the ball to him and he would dunk it. That was annoying too. <laughs> <laughs> there were some glimpses uh, last night. There were some good good glimpses night. last night. I mean, it's okay, Paul. It's therapy. Like this is a it's a happy hour therapy session. Okay. And I just want Joe to know I I see exactly what you saw and it it drove me nuts too. There might have been cuss words involved. You? No. My kids yes. run away during those moments of the game. I'm upstairs isolated. 
Although my 10 year old likes to come upstairs and talk shit now. I feel like there's a Chad Iso <laughs> joke in there somewhere. Yeah. I, oh, look. Quarantine. There's nobody that loves quarantine like this guy does. <laughs> there's nothing like I don't have to leave. Like I can just work from here and not have to go anywhere or do anything or talk to people or see anybody. I this is outstanding. I only have to interact <laughs> with Aaron via Zoom. I can just, you know, ignore him when he calls if I want to. Four, no four roses tonight. I, I, I almost went with, um, I almost went with some Basil Hayden tonight. But I decided I was going, uh, after the week I've had, I was going quantity over quality. So I'm just smashing Bud Lights. <laughs> Do you know? Like, it's been a week. It has been a week. The other thing I was realizing earlier, this wouldn't have worked at any other time this week because you guys just would have been talking with me on mute like this. It didn't stop at all for like 16 hours a day <clears throat> from eight o'clock in the morning until midnight. It was relentless, but you just would have popped in and out like a rap report on, uh, on a yeah. Pat McAfee show. Right. Well, Hold on. Yeah. yeah. But the problem is I'm the host. It's easy for a guest to pop in and out. The host can't pop in and out. And I'm sure it's shit not turning things over to Aaron. I could have taken it. Come the on. Come on. <laughs> oh. Anybody got anything else? What do you guys want to talk about? Anything before we get out of here? We we're two hours in, so I have a question. I don't care. I'll quick. sit here all night. Not a problem, Josh. What are all uh, those creatures running in the background of your screen? Those children? Me? Yeah. I have a turtle. I got a dog, a five-year-old, a wife. Okay. I, like there, there's a living room back there or something? Yeah. 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 I just, there's constant movement back there. I've been <laughs> I <know>. fascinated by it. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. I've just been trying to like yeah. figure out what's what. Well, see, and Aaron's got locked back in his closet again. No, he's I, in the I mean, laundry room. Listen, man, we, we had a we had an issue this week with an internet connection. I'm hardwired in. I don't know what the problem is. I was literally hardwired in. Had to call Cincinnati Bell. It's it's been taken care of. Ouch. Go ahead with your question, Josh. Is there any does it feel more like an AAU game in some of these gyms with basketball? Yeah, it's and terrible. it's just too relaxed. I feel like I'm you know, I can't go to anything. And I live in Minnesota. But it, there's got to be a difference between basketball and football. No, because football felt really sterile, too. I mean, there is a difference because, you know, basketball probably gets louder more frequently. But watching the teams cheer for and chant defense and the, <laughs> yeah. the bench it's, is doing it's very, it. It's very AAU. What is that? That's like junior high basketball. But they're trying to give each other. <laughs> yeah, but they're trying to give each other some some energy. Because it's, it, rough, it's just not there from the crowd. Like also one of that, the things, one of the things that COVID I think has, has changed tremendously for basketball is the fact that sight lines are a real thing now. Like you don't have the, the crowd in the background waving hands and the, the big heads and all that crazy stuff that the the college kids do especially you see with the student sections being behind the the hoops is the sight lines are just wide open it's not quite the nba where they were in their bubble and had the the black 
backdrop when they were in the bubble. And now even since they've moved, there's nobody at the NBA games. I don't even know if they're letting family in at this point. But don't they, don't, don't they always say that with the tournament? Of when they go and play in the arena in the stadium, well, and they go, "Oh, the sidelines are off," and then they come back and go, "Like, well, the shooting percentage is, you know, pretty much the same." Those sidelines are off because, like, at UC, it's not a big deal because the bleachers are right behind. the The fans don't impact things nearly as much as you think, Aaron. Because anybody that's worth a worth a dime can shoot with, you know, a, a big head of Gary Clark. Uh, what about Floating. a Jaren and Javen stepbrothers picture, though? Hilarious to us, but surprisingly, the other team doesn't care. Super distracting. For you, you're I, easily distracted. I stand by that. Um, but, it, like, at UC, with, with the stand so close to where the, the goal is, it doesn't change a whole lot. But when you're playing in those huge arenas, think of, like, when um, – on a lesser scale when UC plays at US Bank and they have those floor seats, but they don't, there's no elevation to them, right? So there's there's nothing behind the backboard for like 30, 40 yards. Where at UC, the, the stuff is behind the backboard at like 30 feet. So that's really where the, the, the difference in sight lines come in. Uh, are they going to go on a run? Uh, ask me in a week. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me in a week. Right now, I don't know. Uh, it was. I was looking you know. at the schedule. February is rough. Yeah, but if they can play well, I think they can be okay by then. But you got to get it figured out before then, or else. I think they, look, they beat the number two team in the conference on the road last night. This is not a good conference. We're not no. talking about them playing in the ACC. Are there going to be tough stretches? Yes. But if they can find a little bit of consistency, if they can find a little bit of a rhythm, it is not out of the, the realm of possibility that they at least figure a respectable uh, factor in this conference. Do, I, do they win the conference? No. Like, we, we can throw that out. But even Houston right now without Caleb Mills, how great do you feel about them? And they I hope Justin Hub's not here because – Still pretty good. No, they're still they're still pretty good. Like no question, they're physical. They re, they I mean they're they're the Bearcats, especially they without rebound Mills. and defend. They can't shoot. They rebound. They defend. Like that's that's who they are right now. But I mean, outside of them, SMU's not not they're they're talented. They're not really that good, per se. I just thought it was exciting to see a team that could actually close out this week. Because we've struggled with that all season. Yeah. To be I mean, in a that, game where, where we actually finish a game. Absolutely. That would I mean that seeing the play over the final six minutes was what we've been waiting for the whole season. 100%. For the whole season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you go back to, to Lipscomb and, and Furman, those issues were the same. We were just better than those two teams. So they didn't manifest themselves nearly as much. Um, I don't. I don't have much more on basketball right now. <laughs> I I need to see more. Like I, that's the thing. Like I, I'm not going over the deep end. 
on one win. You there were a lot of things that were encouraging. No. When have you known me to be Mr. Cheery, Sunshine, Happy like Brent? <laughs> he's that probably, is. He's probably all the way back in on five of the. Next oh, he's yeah. It's a, they're, they've got, <laughs> they're they're going thirteen and five. Like no, uh, 15, 14 and fourteen and six in the conference is yeah, twenty games Brent. this year. Uh, I love Brent. Brent and same. I, Brent and I do not have the same. Uh, <laughs> uh, disposition on life he, he let's say sun, that he's the sunshine to my cynic i get it <laughs> is the conference um, a too big conference can you find two <laughs> and i'm not being i'm not it's trying rough. to be an ass saying that like who's who's two houston's gonna be in so it's houston and whoever wins the conference tournament I think they could get the two that way, Josh. <laughs> yeah, right. Here's the other problem. Like no out of conference, really. I mean, well, no out of conference. I mean, and who are you racking up wins against in this conference to boost your resume? Houston? Houston. Well, there's only so many many teams right. that can beat up on Houston before Houston doesn't matter either, right? But they're gonna have to find somewhere to to fill 64. 66. 66. They'll take eight or nine um, from the big conference schools, probably, and keep it yeah, simple. Because they'll they'll just they'll just say they all proved it against each other, you know. Yay P five. A five. Autonomous five. They do not earn a power designation. They were granted better. <laughs> the Big Ten will get twenty. That's right. They've only got <laughs> they've only got fourteen teams, but twenty of them, they're gonna take up twenty <laughs> spots. That might uh, be Wisconsin. the best. Com- that's the best comment of the night. It is. That's fantastic because it's not wrong because it's all in Indianapolis. So it could just be like you know, uh, uh, Wisconsin's a three seed in the East and a six seed in the West. <laughs> you win, Joe. You win. You win. You you win. You win the entire Zoom call. <laughs> it's so Joe, good they did double elimination. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just Joe, lost you've my taken over. Spot. Joe, you've taken over Paul's spot as co-host of this podcast. <laughs> I lost my intern. So what do you what do you do when you get to the final and was just on the sidelines? <laughs> uh, I mean, then you got to play your ones and twos, right? I guess the, the in, in, inner squad scrimmage to get to the final four. <laughs> that was great. I think we end on that. Anybody got anything else? Oh. Any Thanks, more questions Dad. from anybody? This was fun. This was one that as, as we were going through the day, I was like, we got to do one tonight. Like that there's, there was too much that happened today, not to sit around, have a couple drinks and, and talk UC stuff for two plus hours. We got through the Marcus Freeman funeral and then the rest. It's, it's been nice. Well, yeah. I mean, I think all of us feel much better about things now. Like, Hey, yeah, he's gone. Luke will figure it out. That, yep. Okay. Here's the. Here's the. We'll we'll end with we'll end with this. And the Enos drops. Is this an Easter egg? Yeah. No. Uh, no. But Scoop. this is um. This is just a genuine thought. It sure is hell a lot nicer to be worrying about where your awesome defensive coordinator is going to coach next year, while your head coach comfortably sleeps in his bed here in Cincinnati. Amen to that, brother. Amen. Because, yeah. look, man, I, I've done this a long time. And I know Tim handled the football side for a while, but I was still around. 
doing this while you're trying to meet a whole new coaching staff and make all new relationships and be really good at this job, uh, relying on a bunch of people that don't know or trust you really sucks, really sucks. So I can, you know, Marcus was awesome and I am, you know, it sucks that he's not going to be around anymore, but everybody else is still here. (laughs) So I'm good. (laughs) And I know as a fan base, watching a coach leave every three or four years is taxing emotionally. So nobody's even broken a sweat through this silly season. Knock on wood. Nobody's even broken a sweat about Luke fickle going anywhere. And that is, uh, that's a pretty good place to be. Yep. Yes, indeed. All right, gentlemen, thank you for being here. Love it. Appreciate it. Aaron didn't screw anything up tonight, so I will get this. Uh, I will get this posted. We'll post it as a podcast, and uh, we will go from there. So, I'm Chad Brendel, Aaron Smith, Dave Simone, Paul, Keith, Star of the Night, Joe B, Josh, Alex Thomas, who's not in jail. Alex Thomas, uh, Jim. <laughs> thanks to everybody. I see Jason Kenny in here. Uh, Cincy for the win. Super active in the chat tonight. So this is great. We'll do it again here real soon. You see Doc didn't show up. He's been bitching about getting one of these things going and even show up tonight. Fight I have to talk to him. I'm going to have to talk to him next time I see him. This is the Holy Grail BCJ happy hour right here on BearcatJournal.com.